0: 1 Corinthians 12 and Matthew chapter 25. Do you believe that Jesus knows your name? Do you? You ever thought about not necessarily when the, the good things happen, But you disobey, and all of a sudden, the Father would say, or Jesus would say, hey, boy, hey, Mike, you just messed up. You think that might correct the way we behave if all of a sudden he said, and we heard an audible? I I think I would. I think he'd have it, boy, you know. and, And sometimes I think I've gotten so close to an audible, but it's still a still small voice to me and how he speaks to me. Well, do you think that God expects to use you? If he knows you by name, what's the purpose for you and I to receive him? What's the per- well? Well, I, I think the purpose is if I die, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Is that it? Is that all there is? Come on. There's a lot more than that. And, and I want to talk to you about that today. Does God expect to use you? And uh, as we're, I want you to just look at, a, at two verses in First Corinthians 12. In verse 4, it says this. Now, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But it's the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. And then verse 7, he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Spiritual gifts were never given to me to divide the congregation. Matter of fact, it was dividing Corinthians. And that's why Paul wrote the letter that he did in instruction. He wasn't necessarily always giving us a rule of thumb. He was telling them, look, you're not doing this right. There was a lot of confusion in the church. So, what I, I want you to look at this and, and realize that there are different spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. And uh, all of us have those gifts. Now, do you have all the gifts? Well, no. We'll see that in Matthew 25 if you'll turn there in a minute. You'll find out that I may only have one gift and you may have seven. There's some of you may have four, and only others may only have two. Of course, the real question to me is, what's your spiritual gift? You say, Mike, I don't know what it is. That ain't my dealing. When I was 16 and God began to deal with me, nobody came up and told me what God was calling me to do. Nobody come up and help me determine what my gift was. That was a process by which as I grew older and God began to talk and speak and, and, and lead, he began to show me. But I was hungry. I wanted to know what it was. I ran into people that had different gifts than I were, and some of them I think in an era would say, well, if you don't have this gift, you're not even saved. Look, Jesus didn't give us the gifts to get saved. He gave us the gifts because we were saved. He didn't give them so you can be pseudo-spiritual. He gave them because he wants you to serve. And he gifted you to do that. And, and I just think that's, that's helped me. You see, a spiritual gift was, is for helping the church, not splinter it, but to help it. And when you and I exercise our spiritual gifts, we're able to help the body of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. And he alone, not us, he alone decides which gift you get through him. Well, of course, the answer to the title is that God expect you to, to use you. Well, yeah, he wouldn't gift you if he didn't want to use you. <laughs> And there's not anybody that doesn't have a gift. You say, well, Mike, you're stepping on my toes because I don't know what my gift is. That's okay. Don't get excited. Don't get depressed. There was so many years I didn't have a clue what he wanted me to do either. But I didn't stop. I continued to pursue. And I wanted to know what God wanted me to. To do for him, You see, God's given us different gifts and abilities and talents, and they're of all kind, especially if you're here saved. If Jesus has bought you by his blood, you've come to him to the cross, you've received that salvation, you have been given a gift, most likely more than one. But what's the main one? What is one of them? See, we're responsible for whatever gift he gives, but well, what's the number one? Or number two or number three? What is it? I want us to look, if you would, to turn to the book of Matthew. Because we're going to look at a parable that he taught. Now, sometimes this parable, I've I've dealt with it. And some, you know, you say, well, it talks about money, but that's not the main point. Well, you're probably right. But when I'm speaking on money, and by the way, I'm not preaching on money today, okay? Don't get, don't get excited. I'm preaching on what God's given you already. You see, there are all kinds of excuses that I've heard through the last 40 years of people who, who, who give me why either they don't come to church or they don't, even, they don't serve in the church or they don't give to the church or whatever. Now, look. On the outside of the world, I don't get overly concerned about that. It's not that I don't care. I do. I want to see everybody that can be saved. But I'm responsible for who comes to this church. And I just want you to get the, I believe, the proper uh, biblical teaching on it. So, when it comes to excuses, do you really have one not to serve Jesus? Well... There was a church that, that sort of stepped up to the plate on this. And they, now they, it was a church in Michigan, and they decided to have, I've never done that here, but they decided to have a no-excuse Sunday. And so what that meant was they were going to do everything they can to remove all the excuses so no one could say or use an excuse, why not to come on that Sunday. You would say, well, how'd they do that? Well, here's how they advertised it. They said, first of all, we want everybody to attend our church next Sunday because it's no excuse Sunday. And here's what they said. First of all, there will be COTS provided, C-O-T-S, in the vestibule for those who say Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I've heard that more than I want to admit. I don't buy that even though I might let you get by with that. But that's not an excuse. I'm sorry. Steel helmets will be provided for those who say the church will actually cave in if I were to walk into it. How many times have you ever heard that? (laughs) You know, I've seen some that I wished it would have caved in when I'm coming in, but you know what? It didn't happen. And and some of them were pretty rascals when they walked in, and it just stayed up there. Didn't cave one bit, but they provided steel helmets nonetheless. Blankets for those who are always complaining the church is either too cold and fans for those that say it's too hot, I hear that all the time. Well, I happen to know that is hormonal. Now the reason I know that is because now I'm sixty three, and and it's cold into me here right now to me. And some of you, I know you. Some of your ladies, yep, yep, I'm freezing. Well, some of you are burning up, and and we can't ever get it right, and you're, it's never going to be right. My wife. She'll be freezing to death one minute, and at 2 in the morning, it's burning up, and it's the same temperature. It's hormonal. Your body's going through different changes, and especially as you get older. We get, they got hearing aids for those that say the preacher preaches too soft. Now, I've never heard that complaint around here. I hear a lot of you complaining, I get too loud. Well, I'm sorry, but I can't, well, anyway, I'll stop it. Sometimes I get so excited, I just have to, my daddy screamed and holler at me, and that's how I knew he loved me. When he was quiet, I, was, I, was, I had my hands behind myself, hanging on my cheeks, knowing I'm fixing to get tore up. But I'm, if I offend you by getting too loud, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he gave cotton to those that said he preached too soft or too loud. Hearing aids for those who are too loud. He gave scorecards to those who want to always list the hypocrites in the church. Well, can I just kind of eliminate that right now? All of y'all are a hypocrite somewhere. I'm a hypocrite somewhere. I mean, I'm, if you think I'm going to stand up here and say, oh, I don't have one thing that I'm inconsistent in. I'm afraid you'd go talk to my wife, and then you'd find I was liar. Some of the relatives, they brought relatives into the church because you know that excuse, well, we wanted to go visit some of the relatives on Sunday. Then they brought TV dinners in there who say, well, I couldn't go to church because I had to cook for all my company. I've heard that excuse. That's all it is, too. Oh, I like this one for me. One section they devoted to trees and grass. Those are those who say, well, I just want to worship out God outdoors on my deer stand, the lake, campground. Now, listen, there ain't nothing wrong taking a vacation and going to campground. And you know what? If you don't go to church on Sunday, I'm not going to get mad at you, and I don't think Jesus will get mad at you. And, and, and I'm not going to throw that kind of legalism on you. But I'll say this, if you're camping 365 days a week, i got a problem. Finally, the sanctuary will be decorated with Christmas Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for those who've never seen the church without them. Y'all know that crowd. You see, here, look at verse 14 in Matthew 25. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man or the master who went on a trip. He called together his servants and the New Living Translation uh, in verse 14 says he gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. He gave, verse 15, five bags of gold, one two bags of gold, and the other one bag of gold. The King James Version uses, I think, how many of you, got the King James Burns with you today? Does it say not talent? And he gave talents. The master who gave them in the story is Jesus. The talents is not, the emphasis of those talents is not how many or how much. It's what you did because the one that got the one was just as responsible as the one that got five. So he's not trying to give you something to where you can gloat and go around and, and brag about because you got five and, or didn't get but two and somebody got one. That is not the intent of this parable. As you well know, every man in this parable was given a gift. And every one of these talents were important because it came from the Master. And the Master came from heaven. You say, I want you to know, you hear me today, there's nobody in here, even if you're lost, when you get saved, you're going to get your gift. But if you claim to be born again, claim to be saved, you have been given one gift at least, and that gift came from glory. That gift came from the Master. It came from... Jesus. That's why I say, you really believe Jesus knows your name? Because if you do, he also knows what the gift he gave you. Now, let me ask you a second question. And this is not to make you feel bad, but do you know what gift that is? When I was 19, I felt led to leave home. And I moved to a little town called Claxton, Georgia. And I stayed there a whole year. And my wife, she'd always make fun of me because I'd, well, at now, but not then. She'd, I'd say, boy, I'm living in a little old small town. Well, see, she used to live in a town called Brookville. And when you look at that, now that is a small town. Claxton was, and, and it's growing. I mean, actually, I live right down the street from the fruitcake capital of the world. Now, I don't like fruitcake. But I thought, "Woo! I'm, I'm high on the hog. I'm living it up. I was single. And, but when I came back one year later, God called me to marry and said, I want you to marry Cindy, and I want you to preach the gospel and go to Bible college. I said, Lord of mercy, all at one time? I said, that's a lot. Well, I didn't know what, you know, y'all, I hear this come out of y'all's mouth. Well, you don't look like a preacher. Would you t- please tell me what one looks like? Because the ones I hang out with that look like preachers, I don't want to hang out with them. I like the ones that don't look like one, that don't act like one. Could you rather... Could you imagine me going home saying, Honey, bless God, where are you? (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You want a man like that walking around the house talking like that? Bless God. Children come to dinner. Oh, we're going to beat the living daylights out of you. Hallelujah. I just... I just can't imagine me talking like that. And that's why I try to talk up here like I do at home. I don't try to act any different here. I'm just as crazy at home as I am here. And, and, and you ain't going to get crazy out of me. If crazy is not an attribute of being a believer, then I'm lost. And I'll never get saved. Because you, you know what? I know God has a sense of humor because he put us with people that are opposites. He had to, he's got to be laughing at us when we get married. And you know what? You, you, you don't think that's not crazy. You were attracted to somebody that's totally opposite of you. And then when you get married, you want to divorce the one that you're completely opposite with. Figure that one out. Every gift of God that he gives you and me is important. It's important. Why? It came from heaven. And we're going to have to answer for it when we get there. Well, that leads to the first point. All of us have God's gift. All of us. Some more maybe than others. Your abilities and gifts are very special. Verse 15 said, our gifts were given to each of us according to our own ability." Talents and gifts and abilities represent opportunities to use them as God has seen fit. Why he called this country boy to preach, I argue with him all the time. I did a funeral last week, and I was so doggone stressed out. I said, Lord, if this is going to get harder as I get older, could you, could you let people live longer? Because I, I don't know why I was so stressed out after that funeral. Anybody in here ever preached a funeral? I know uh, one has. Y'all, anybody here want to preach one? Why? I have to do it all the time. Why? Well, if God calls you to preach, guess what you got to do? You got to preach funerals. Anybody in here officiated a wedding? Same, I know. Only a few. Anybody want to do one? Why? Because if God calls you to preach, or especially pastor, you don't have a choice. You see, when I was 19, 20, going on 21, all of a sudden, I was thrown in a church in 1980, and you're talking about a country church. Good Lord. They paid me with chickens And $80 a week, whether I wanted it or not. And I loved every minute of it. I lived right on the edge of a river. And I said, Man, this is cool. The boys that get sick, Cindy'd go to school, and I'd take that sick kid in a bassinet and we'd go up the river fishing. Set him right down there on the side. If there was an alligator ever come along, I guess mine would have been gone. Because I was fishing. Look at verse 16 and 18. Let me say this. Every saint is both a servant and a steward. What's that mean? Servant means you're doing something for God and a steward being faithful and using the gift that God's given you for his glory. We're to be stewards as a servant. Now, I know God's called me to, to preach, and I know God's called me to pastor but have you ever wanted a gift that he didn't give you or a talent or an ability he didn't give you? Every Sunday, when I look at my oldest son playing that guitar, and I look at Greg on the drums and Austin and, and Daryl when he's playing and Charlie, and, and I look at uh, all these guys, Mike, I go, I wish I could do that. I, I get, I get, I'll be honest in the flesh, sometimes I get envious of that. I said, why can't I do that? Why can't I do like something, just wake up and just begin to, I like to sing. I could make money in Atlanta by sitting in a chair in a five-gallon bucket if I could play and sing. And I could do that in my off time. But I can't play. You know, when you pick up something or a harmonica and your grandkids say, Papa, that's terrible. Would you please quit that? You're killing me. But when you hear it together, you see this. You ever, you ever just kind of wanted something that you didn't have? There have been gifts that I prayed for that God didn't give me. But if He gave it to you, you're going to answer for it. I'm not trying to scare you, but He expects you to use it for Him, not for me, not for Solid Rock. Not for an affiliation, not for an organization, but for Him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you ever heard of the rewards that the Bible talks about that we're going to stand before the judgment seat in Christ? That's how they're going to be based on what you did with what was given to you, not how much. Look at verse 16. He says, Those who, the, the one that received five talents went and traded, invested, duplicated the five into another five. The two went, traded, invested, duplicated two and, and had four. But what, what did the one guy do? He must have been a ditch digger. What did he do with his talent? Dug a hole. buried because he was afraid I've heard this excuse why don't you teach because I'm I'm afraid why don't you give a testimony because I'm afraid why don't you serve Jesus why don't you do it for me you see this guy was afraid that he was going to lose the money And that the master was going to be hard on him. And that he didn't want to do that. You see, it doesn't matter whether it's just one, two. You and I are to take that and duplicate it. Invest it. Make it grow. Now, of course, we can't make things grow, but God can. You know, somebody may think that the pastor is the one responsible. He can be responsible for tearing one up, but he can't ever grow one. I've learned a long time ago, I can't grow a church. I just can't. He can, and I can serve, and I can share Jesus, and I can preach when you die, and I can do the best I can, as long, even though I get as nervous as I as a house cat in a wedding, I'd rather do a funeral than a wedding. You wanna know why, right? You hanging on every word in a wedding. You hear it all. But in a funeral, you're so upset. You're so mad. Or oh, not mad. Well, sometimes you are. I, I run you know, there's three times that upset people that you don't normally want them to get upset. It's when a baby's born. When someone dies and when someone gets married, I know normally, normally every time I'm going to walk into a hornet's nest somewhere. Would you all say amen to that? Well, you're not willing to admit it, but it's called dangling participles. You all know what that is? It's where you, where you got little issues in your families that you're not working out, and it's like sandpaper, and it, all it does is just keeps roughing up all the time. You let somebody die. Oh, my goodness. I love my, I'm starting to love my brother and sisters more and more, but I remember when my mama was laying right here. And as a pastor, I have never had a normal funeral with my family. Something's always going on. Now, when you go sit in a funeral, you don't have to think about all that stuff going on, but in my family, there's something going on all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Well, this just happened to be, I thought was kind of ridiculous, but I didn't think about the way my mama's smile was laying there in that coffin because I wasn't looking at my mama being here. If you're laying in the coffin, guess where you're not? Here. Where are you? If you saved, you're with Jesus. And my oldest sister, well, I used to call her my brother's sister. But now what I say, she's my sister too. She calls me now every once in a while. Where she used to want to just slap me, now we just talk a, a little bit every once in a while. Well, anyway, she looked at Mama. She said, "We're closing the coffin." I said, "We are." Why? Because that don't look like Mama smiling like that. I said, "It ain't." She looked at me, funny. I said, "Mama's with Jesus. That's her tent." Well, we're closing. I said. Now, I'm, now you know you're gonna find out why I'm a, sometimes. She's the brother or sister. I said, no, you ain't. I said, but to keep from being a dictatorial mean, I said, we're going to vote. I said, Gary, open the coffin or close the coffin. Open it. Yes. I said, Josh, open, I mean, not Josh, but uh, Sandra, open the coffin or close the coffin. Open it. Yes. We're not closing it. That's the democratic way, right? In a funeral, we had to do that. Nobody, y'all didn't even know I, the people came to my mama's funeral and I had, they didn't know what was going on. But we're, and I could have thought about it, but I just said, nah, let's just vote on it. Isn't that silly? And if it isn't that, it's something else. Anybody had something similar like that go on? And, and, and it just happens that way. But let me tell you, you're not going to get in bargain with God or vote on it on whether or not you should or you should not use your gift when you get to glory because Jesus is expecting you to use it. You hear me? Say yes, you hear me. Uh, I want it better than that. Say yes if you hear me. At least I know now that I don't have to worry about it. You got it. You're responsible for it. You know what, when it comes to duplication when it comes to investment, when it comes to uh, being ambitious, we are not to get up and promote what we do. I don't go around bragging and promoting what I do. It's self-education. I just don't believe that we ought to do that. But I do believe that we ought to expect great things from God and we ought to attempt great things for God and give Him the glory. We don't have to toot our own horn. That's self education I don't need be patted on the back, and neither should you either, even though there's nothing wrong with encouragement, because the lady that's now with Jesus, she was good at that. Miss Pat was a good encourager, better than I was. When Jesus looked at these three servants, he saw two that were faithful, but he saw one who was foolish. And he said, as a result of the foolish servant digging a hole in the ground and hiding the one bag of gold in the ground, and he hid the master's money for safekeeping. What did Jesus say to him in verse 26? You wicked and lazy servant. That ain't me. I ain't saying that. That's what Jesus said. Why? Because you're not using Well, when am I not using it? When I don't take the gift He's given me. And how do we dig a hole? We just don't use it. We don't take the time in prayer. We don't take the time and, and listen what it is that God wants us to be about. The third point is God's glory will result in your gain. Each one was told when they duplicated their gifts that he 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 patted them on the back and said, "You faithful, you are faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things." But as we well know, the one that did not and hid, he said he was afraid. He was actually. He lost. His gift was taken away and given. Isn't it it ironically who he gave it to? He gave it to the one that duplicated or invested it the most. I believe Jesus is serious about your service and mine. I believe that one day we're just going to see how serious that's all about. But if you don't use it, according to this passage, you're going to lose it. Now, you say, Mike, do you believe that I could lose my salvation? No. Read John 10. Jesus says that's an impossibility. But now your rewards, that's entirely different. What we send on to glory, that's different. Now, the power, probably the most important question, and I'll hush. How are you using your gift? How are you using it? For his gain and glory? Duplication? Investment? Your life into someone else? Or have you dug a hole and buried it? With your heads bowed.